once those things happen, animal lovers, because that's who comes to sanctuaries, people who identify as animal lovers, once they come here, then it's the animals who do the very best job of forcing them to see, oh my God, there is no difference between this animal that I ate last night for dinner and my dog who sleeps at the end of my bed. Hello and welcome to the Innovative Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. On the show, I interview peak performing innovators in the creative, social impact, and earth conservation spaces. I also bring you ideas and techniques that you can grab and use to set goals, create, and unlock your potential for changing yourself and the world. And now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Innovative Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And I'm thrilled, thrilled and honored to have this week's guest on the show. Let me tell you about Kathy Stevens. Kathy is the founder of Catskill Animal Sanctuary, one of the world's leading rescues for farmed animals and centers for the advocacy of vegan living. And you know that's catnip to me. She's a former Huffington Post blogger, the author of Where the Blind Horse Sings and Animal Camp, Reflections on a decade of love, hope, and veganism at Catskill Animal Sanctuary. Kathy is a speaker and frequent contributor to anthologies on animal rights, animal sentience, and veganism. She lives on the grounds of Catskill Animal Sanctuary and kisses cows every day. Kathy, thank you so much for being every here. Welcome. Day. I love that. I every love, love, love it. Day. That's Take that. Two. <laughs> That's amazing <laughs> and terrific. And, you know, everyone who listens to the show, Kathy, is well aware that I'm a passionate animal rights advocate and well aware that I'm uh, I'm vegan. I've been ve I went vegetarian back in the 80s, went vegan in 2003. So I'm right. I'm walking with you. So I'm super right honored on. and super happy that you're here. I, I want to just I know we don't have that much time. So I want to just get right into it. Tell me your why. What made you go? You know what? I'm living this life and I'm going to turn it around completely and start living a completely different one that is so much on the behalf of all these sentient beings we share the planet with? Yeah. Well, I love that question. I was a high school English teacher who turned down the opportunity to become the principal of a new high school mm. because it was a media and technology school. And I use these devices, but it's hardly a passion. And so I turned down the job and was sort of at a loss because I'd always imagined that that would be my way to do do good in my mm -hmm. little corner of the world. Mm -hmm. um, but what came to me after some months, it was the only time I took time off of work, is that what I what how I could best serve was a desire was by marrying my passion for teaching and learning with my passion for animals, having grow, grown up on a farm and been around animals my entire life. So it was mm -hmm. just had had that school been a social justice school, I would be there today. Right. But it wasn't. And so it that it allowed me to pivot and to reframe my passion once again. 
I think that's uh, fantastic and wonderful. And it's interesting to me. I, in my other life, I do environmental education. I go into schools and do school shows and things like that, where I talk about the the health of the soil and the health of our water bodies, and then relate it back to animals. But it's it's a little challenging because it's so ingrained in people that what we do is we eat hamburgers or we eat fish sticks or whatever. How do you, as someone who's such a passionate advocate, sort of counter that or work with that to, to help it open people's minds so that they can start seeing that there is another way? Well, you know, at this point, we're an organization of 30 people. So we have a number of programs that are directing, that are directed toward helping people first be willing to see what we are doing to these animals who want their lives as mm. much as we want ours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And secondly, that take them by the hand and sit and show them how to eat differently. Nobody's waking up in the morning and saying, I can't wait to torture animals at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're just living according to habit, according to culture, according to what our moms and our grand, you know, grandparents, generations of in our own families have eaten. And so what we do here is a set up an environment in which people fall in love with the animals they eat. Because nobody expects, you know, good sanctuaries disarm people, Isolde. Mm -hmm. Nobody expects for a pig to run to them when you call its name, when you call his or her name. Nobody expects uh, to be able to hold a chicken and have that chicken fall asleep in their arms. Mm. And nobody expects a turkey to climb into their lap and sort of demand to be given a massage. <laughs> so once those things happen, once, once, animal lovers, because that's who comes to sanctuaries, people who identify as animal lovers. Once they come here, then it's the animals who do the very best job of forcing them to see, oh my God, there is no difference between this animal that I ate last night for dinner and my dog who sleeps at the end of my bed. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, one of the most powerful um, impacts that good sanctuaries have is that ability to put the put the animal loving human and the animal face to face or you know lap to face lap to face. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds bad. But you know what I mean. Snout to face, um, right? <laughs> yeah, snout to face, snout to face. So um, that's one piece of what we do. But then mm -hmm. we also have very, very skilled, trained, humane educators who who sometimes let the animals do the talking, but are also able to provide information on how this, this habit of ours is the leading cause of virtually everything that is wrong with the planet right now, mm. um, including water pollution, species extinction, and climate change. And, and, and then finally, the final piece is to offer a is cooking support because people, my favorite story is of, of a young man 
who had just finished a tour and I, I was coming through the parking lot and our eyes met and he sprinted over to me. He burst into tears. He grabbed my forearms and he said, I get it now. Tell Mm. me what to do. So we, we take in, 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 uh, of this very long winded response to your question, we take sort of a holistic approach because the last piece is this cooking program that we we've had for 10 years. We're now relaunching a new pilot. That's going to be um, uh, essentially a vegan support program of four Mm. weeks of cooking classes and group sessions and cooking tips and how to stock your pantry and um, videos of us with the animals, information about why it's important information about nutrition um, all delivered in sort of bite-sized pieces because we know people don't have a lot of time. So that's how we do it. And if people are are curious or interested in that program, they can find out about it right on our website. And I would love, love, love to have links directly for that when it's ready so that I can add that to the show notes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, your point is very well taken that there is this disconnect. I remember when, before I before I became a vegetarian, I had no connection in my mind between the burger I was eating and the cow that I saw when I was driving along and there was a farm. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't making that connection. And I think a lot of us don't make that connection that the, the very packaged product we buy in the store came from a critter, came from an animal. It's intentional. That's by design. I mean, if you go to the little villages around the world, you'll see the 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 lamb or the pig hanging in the window. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very much by design. The industry doesn't want us to see it. If 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 we did, we wouldn't be in the place we're in. Uh, oh, absolutely. Again, no, you know, nobody's intending to harm, but but harm and suffering and terror is unavoidable because of our choices. Right. And it, it is interesting. I mean, there's there's a I, I talk about this all the time. Media, it, the media is sort of a behemoth and it's been focused in one direction for a long time. And the vegan movement seems like it has uh, gained such momentum so that so that we're starting to be aware. We're starting to think about it. I've never eaten chicken even when I was in my life, I was a hardcore carnivore. I will tell you this. I am very honest about this up until I went vegetarian, hardcore carnivore, but except for chicken, because the way chicken was, uh, I was born in the former Soviet union and, uh, there you got your live chicken and you, you killed your chicken yourself. And I was responsible from a very young age for cleaning up the mess after the chicken had been slaughtered and so so i went oh no but again that disconnect was so strong in other areas that i'd never put it together so when you're doing these programs you're doing them to help people who are already thinking about this because they're not going to come to you unless they're already starting to go "Hmm." so can you can you talk a little bit about about the psychology that we kind of might employ in innovative ways because this is the innovative mindset podcast to start opening minds of people who could be interested but aren't yet um look there are a lot of angry people in this movement and there are a lot of extremely 
judgmental people in this movement. I've met so many people who become vegan on a Wednesday and then on Thursday, there's these strident, angry people. Mm -hmm. I, and it's because of what's at stake, because there is such enormous suffering and because our choices to consume trillions of animals when you're, when you include sea life Mm -hmm. um, has us at the brink of climate disaster. I get that there's an urgency, but I've always believed, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how innovative this is, but, but I've always found that um, if you have something challenging to that you want to express that if you express it with the simplest truth and you express it quietly and there's not an edge in your voice that people stay open Mm -hmm. you want people to stay open you want people not to shut down because once they have you've lost them so you know, I've been doing this for a bit and the quieter I am and the, if the edge is out of my voice and I'm just delivering the truth, then people, people stay open. But here's the, here's the other thing to size up who is in front of you is also important and to take the long view. My dad uh, who died of heart disease because he never gave up, gave up meat. I stopped spending time and energy on my dad because he didn't want to hear it. Mm. So I would say in terms of one's own psyche to find an the audience who is open to take the long view and to realize it's not about that, that change is hard. Nobody's trying to harm them. You've got all these cultural influences. And so to take the long view and to del- and to um, help 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 your friends and family and colleagues go on a journey and trust that if they're good and kind-hearted people, they'll get there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how innovative that is. I don't think it's terribly innovative. It's just our approach. No, no, no. It's the thing is, you know, what's funny about that is that I think this stuff is cyclical. I think some of the stuff that has been tried and true for hundreds of years and falls out of fashion or falls out of favor comes back around as an innovation. So this to me, I agree with you. I, I, I wish that I were the kind of flag waving radical person who's going to be, I'm not that person either. I believe in. Why do you wish that though? Because, because I feel sometimes like uh, there is a uh, I, th- I think it's funny that you're interviewing me now, but uh, I think that I, th- I think that there's a place and, and, and the thing is, I think there's a place for a well-rounded approach in this. So that's why I'm saying this. There's a place for people who are going to push that pendulum all the way to the extreme so that when we come back to the center, that there is more of an awareness of, of what it is. This, is. this is the largest and most urgent social change movement in the history of the world. Sure. We are not asking men to change. We're not asking white people to change. We're not asking uh religious people to change their views of non-religious or, or, or different religions. We are 
asking every single person alive to change first their attitude, Mm -hmm. at least those who have the capacity to make choices about what they eat. And I realize that is certainly not everybody. So I'm modifying my statement a bit again. But for those who have choice, we are asking every single person alive to change their attitude and then their behavior toward Mm -hmm. animals. Mm -hmm. And if I studied social change in in graduate school and what you you know, the first and most obvious thing you learn is that social change is hard and that it requires every approach and that what appeals to you might not appeal to me. Right. So it's just I I don't wish I were radical and flag waving. I and I and frankly, the radical and flag waving people with social justice issues that I care very much about turn me off. On the other hand, on the other hand, I, I was speaking at a conference. This was years ago now speaking at a conference and this woman stood up. And she said, um, are you a supporter of direct action for animals? And I asked her to define it. And she talked about going into, and there's now now a very successful um, animal rights organization called Direct Action Everywhere um, that will go walk right into a Starbucks or a grocery store or a restaurant and confront the owners and confront uh, um, clients. And I said, you know, I said, am I a fan of that approach? I said, it doesn't matter. My opinion about it doesn't matter. If that's what turns you on and excites you to to be active on on behalf of a a cause you care about, then do it. Like, because it's going to work for somebody. If it, if it weren't, Having, if it weren't being effective with some number of people, then it would it would sort of extinguish. So I, as long as one is not violent, causing harm, causing literal harm to others, then I think there's room for every approach. I I agree with you. I do. I and and that's the thing. For me, I believe in education first. That's and that's why I say I wish I were that that flag waving radical. I do things like I'll participate in the march that we're recording this the day before the animal rights march here in New York City. So, uh so I'll I'll be at the march tomorrow and I I am a supporter of that. My my particular way of doing it is through education and it's because i had experiences with animals that changed me you know and so i'm i'm wondering for you what what lessons have the animals taught you you've been doing this for decades now what have you learned what has been what has been that point of connection that point of inspiration for you and i'm sure there are many but was there one in in particular yes there was, um, and I write about it in my, not only do I write about it in my first book, there are a number of chapters about this one animal who I call my most extraordinary teacher, um, human or animal. Mm. Um, I, we had a sheep who, who we named whom we named Rambo because he would come at us and leap and ram us with 
the base of his head. He had these giant horns, massive, massive horns. And he'd been removed with 17 other animals from a hoarding situation. And he was very claustrophobic. So we, and, and in, out of impatience, he would ram and ram and ram and ram and ram his stall door until the two by fours would pop out of the frame and out he would go. So out of desperation, we decided to let him sleep in the middle of the barn aisle, figuring that even though they're coyotes in the woods behind the farm, they wouldn't come all the way up to the barn. And if they did, they probably couldn't take down this, this animal with these really impressive horns. So I went to the barn one night and uh, we at the time had no barn for our turkeys. We would, we would carry them out to their little yard during the day and we would bring them back to the main barn at night. Well, on that particular night, it was a November night. It was sleeting. We had forgotten to bring the turkeys in. Mm. And so they would have been uncomfortable, but also they were out there with predators, with predators behind, behind them, you know? Mm. So I walked down as the backup, as the backup. And I circled this long, our barn is 120 feet long. I went all the way down, down, check, going from stall to stall. I walked right past the empty turkey stall where the turkey should have been. So not only did the daytime crew screw up, there must've been a miscommunication. So did the backup. Mm. I didn't even notice they were gone. Circled back around, went to the barn, went to the end of the barn. I called out, good night, animals. Rambo stood up. He walked all the way down, stood right in front of me, looked up at me and said, bah. and I said, show me what's wrong. He walked most of the way down the aisle. He walked into the empty turkey stall and he turned around and looked at me. And that moment changed my life. He, an animal who had never known love until he came to the sanctuary, knew, knew those turkeys were out there. He figured out a way to tell a human being. He knew the human being would help, which made me realize he understood what we, who we were and why we existed. And this animal who survived at the hands of a hoarder had empathy for two animals of a different species who were having a pretty miserable life, a night. And that moment made me realize that what I thought I knew about the supposed differences between humans and animals, that at least a whole lot of it was wrong and was based on my seeing them through a very human-centric lens. Mm. And we started paying attention to, in a different way to this magnificent animal. And Isolde, he spent his 11 years, he was five when he came to us, he spent his 11 remaining years with us guarding 
this place, which is what rams do in nature. Mm. And I can't tell you the number of times he came came to my house at night and called me bah, 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 because the cows got out or the time, like I, the story after story. And so, yes, there was that moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was a moment when I realized, oh, you've got some things wrong. Mm. You and your organization need to pay attention in a different way. And so as a consequence of that one moment, literally, we now have what's called the underfoot family. And the underfoots are the, um, for the most part, goats and sheep, but also some chickens, uh, a potbelly pig. It varies from time to time, every now and then a cow, every now and then an old horse or donkey who, for whatever reason, would not thrive either in a flock or a herd. So they're allowed to be free all day long. Mm. And boy, do we learn a lot from them. Amazing. Amazing. What a, what a, what a story. I yes, I, I, for me, it was a cow while driving down a, a country road and there was a cow with a tag in her ear and she stopped us and looked at us and we talked with her and I realized what the tag meant and that was it for me. That was the moment everything changed. And oh. and and the thing is, when we're doing this, this is a very individual thing, yours, mine, other people who have sort of had this heart and mind opening experience. There are other things that you and I could talk about, which would be why is something like veganism moving away from eating animals good, f- not just for you and me, but the entire planet. I would love to talk with you about that, but I know you, <laughs> you're you on a time crunch. So I'm, I'm, I would just like to invite you to come back so we can talk a little bit about the macro of all this, how we are individuals, the animals are individuals, but together we're all, as far as I'm concerned, living on one organism, right? So, so Absolutely. when we're in, when we're in that space, I would love to have you back and talk a little bit more about that if you're willing. In the meantime, while I, I completely appreciate you being you taking the time, I know you're super busy. Would you mind if people go, I want to know more about cat skills, would you mind giving some uh, your website or some ways that people can get involved with the sanctuary, just the URLs or anything? So I like it when people do that so that there's a, an auditory way to hear it. Sure, absolutely. And by the way, I'm sorry I'm pushed for time today. No worries, no worries. We'd love to come back. My pleasure. Um, I'd absolutely love to come back. Um, our webs, you know, we're on all the social media channels, but you can you can find them um, at our our hub is the website, and it's C C for Catskill, A for Animal, so C A Sanctuary That's where you can find out about the vegan cooking program, which is called New Leaf. That's where you can sign up for tours, sign up to volunteer. That's where you can become a member or an animal sponsor. Sponsor. That's where you can access my podcast. So everything is right there. Perfect. And I I love what you say that animals are our best ambassadors and I think that's great but I'm really really grateful that you did this that you're doing this that you're living it and you're you know walking your walk and talking your talk every day I'm going to put all of these links into the show notes so that if you're listening to this and you want to get involved you want to support the sanctuary you want to know more about the vegan cooking programs you'll be able to find them Kathy I have just one other question before you go that I ask everybody who comes on the show and it is this if you had an airplane that could skywrite anything 
for the whole world to see, what would you say? Love is all that matters. And I love that. That was great. Kathy, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. You are welcome back anytime. And I'd love to have you back to talk about the macro of veganism and animals and the planet. Until next time, this is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Innovative Mindset Podcast, reminding you to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2022. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, remember to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you.